Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Up Level Your Career with Justin and Jerome podcast. I'm Jerome Emhoff, and it's my pleasure and honor to welcome you to our conversation today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about job search over 50. Um, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we record from our homes, uh, and so you're likely to hear some background noise from time to time. Uh, noises from our neighborhood, noises from our household, but hopefully the information we're sharing with you is of value and practical advice that you can apply to your own situation. Um, as I mentioned, I'm Jerome Emhoff. I'm a career coach and uh, resume writer with a 10-year practice, and um, I am pleased to be sharing this podcast with my friend and colleague, Judson Walsh. Thank you, Jerome. Glad to be here. Welcome, everybody. Today is a chock-full podcast, and as Jerome had mentioned, we are talking today about job search over 50. So if you are over 50 and you are looking for work and you're feeling discouraged in any way, we're going to give you some helpful and practical tips on how to deal with some of this uh, concept called ageism, which does exist. It's real, but it's not insurmountable. So as, as in terms of where we're going today, we're going to talk about the mindset. A lot of things start in the mind, so we're going to talk about the mindset and the attitude that we want to adopt or continue as we go through this process, because it can be discouraging if we let it. We're also going to talk about concerns of employers with older hires and, and how, to, how, how to combat some of that perception um, in, in writing and, and verbally as well. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk also about overcoming some of the concerns and, and practical ways that you can do this. Um, and then we're going to move on into the actual interview itself, how you can deal with maybe uh, preventing ageism from being perceived, not only in your cover letter, uh, and resume, but also interviews as well. So with that said, why don't we go ahead and we'll just dive right into this. There's a lot to cover today, Jerome. Uh, I know we've both spent a lot of time looking at all the information that's out there, and we are pleased to bring this to you, and we always encourage you to listen for the nuggets, the nuggets that will really help you through this time. There are ways to do it. And if you just apply some of these things, you'll see that you will get results. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, to Jerome, and, and to lead us in with the mindset. Life is a symphony. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, just uh, for starters, I did a, a, a bit of research um, in preparing for this podcast. So some of the information is coming from the 2015 edition of What Colors Your Parachute. That is sort of the quintessential uh, job search guide. It's been out since the 80s, and there's a new edition that comes out every year. The 2015 happens to be the last, uh, the most recent year I've actually purchased and read. Um, I believe it's still being published. I'm not entirely sure because the author, uh, Richard Bowles, passed away a few years ago, um, but I'm guessing that probably his team and, and some other people have, have picked it up. So it's a great book. And I also um, looked at the manual I used when I was um, preparing to take my certification exam to become a professional in human resources, or PHR, and then also a blog called The Muse, which is a job search blog. So those three resources kind of um, were used uh, to gather some information. Before we start um, really digging into content, what I wanted to mention was that we're talking about job search over the age of 50 because that seems to be, at least in my experience as a career coach and resume writer um, and also Judson's experience, that seems to be the age when people start to get nervous about age discrimination. But having said that, um, Congress passed an Age Discrimination in, Employee, in, in Employment Act, so the ADEA, Age Discrimination in, um, in Employment Act, was passed in 1967. And it defined um, the age discrimination at age 40. So anyone from a human resources uh, perspective who is 40 or older is considered what we call a protected class, which means that employers cannot um, discriminate against you. They can't fire you for being over 40. Um, they can't discriminate you against you in the workplace. 
And just on a side note, since we're talking about this, um, the Supreme Court uh, just a few days ago um, uh, passed a, 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 had a decision that came forth that um, anyone from the LGBTQ uh, community can't be um, fired for being um, uh, transgender or uh, gay or lesbian, uh, bisexual. So um, I think that's really awesome as well. So uh, mindset. Uh, this idea of life as a symphony is actually something I'm borrowing from What Colors Your Parachute. And because I was a music major in college, I find it really interesting. So if you think about your life as a symphony, a symphony typically has four movements. You can think about the first movement as your infancy being a, to- a toddler, right? The second movement is during the time that we're in, in school, in college, and we're learning. We're preparing to enter the world as an adult. The third movement is probably the longest period, and that's your working, your working time, right? So the t- from the time that you enter your professional career um, up until the fourth movement. Now, so a lot of us would think that the fourth movement, age 40, 50, and on, is sort of coasting, you know, where we're going to get in, into a place um, and sort of relax and, and uh it's sort of the twilight years we're getting ready to uh, retire. What Richard Bowles in his, his book, What Color Is Your Parachute, wants people to think about, though, is how a symphony is written. The fourth movement of a symphony is anything but coasting. If you've listened to the Eroica Symphony, which is Beethoven's third, or the ninth symphony, which is the Choral Symphony, Ode to Joy, the fifth symphony, you know that the the end of the symphony is really this triumphant finish. We have the horns, we have the timpani, you know, it's a big, big finish. And so the mindset that we would like for you to kind of take on if you're an older job uh, seeker is to think about what kind of legacy do you want to leave? How do you want to go out with a bang in your career? So don't think about 50 and on as sort of, I don't have a whole lot to offer. Think about it as this is my big finish. This is my time to really show up and maybe even take some risks in my career. Maybe, um, you know, really uh, go out with some gusto. And so uh, I think it's a really great um, great way to think about this. And uh, when I was doing my research, uh, and I mentioned the Muse um, uh, blog, that blog quoted um, – a pay scale study. Um, pay scale must be. I don't. I didn't research what pay scale is, but I'm assuming it's a, some sort of a polling um, uh, program or you know some uh, an organization that studies things related to to work and career. Anyway, this study uh, showed that 82 percent, which I think is I mean, that's relatively high, 82 percent of people who chose to make a career change after 45 were successful. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm 50, my career life is over, woe is me, think about it. 82% of people over 45 um, who made a career change were really successful. So um, don't think that the cards are stacked against you. So, you know, this is a really good time to take stock of what you have to offer and to really present that in a really bold and um, empowered way. Do you have any comments, Judson? Yeah. Well, I, I love how this is uh, broken down into four movements and the analogy of a symphony. Um, I've heard also another way to look at it, and it's really more of a trifecta approach, and, and that's at the beginning of your career, you learn. And in the middle of your career, you earn. And toward the end, you return. So learn, earn, and return. And you can use this however you want here. It's just an analogy. But, you know, as it relates to the older years and the legacy you want to live, how do you include and incorporate the giving back component? Because I'm sure that your your industry has been good to you, and now you're thinking, now how can I help? And this could come in the form of a mentorship. Um, it could come in the form of a financial donation to, um, you know, a particular organization, nonprofit, whatever it be. But anyway, that's always stuck with me, the learn, earn, and return approach. That's really brilliant. I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah, to think about how do you give back. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move on? Yep, I am. Okay. So in my research, I also, again, looking at the PHI manual, um, wanted to know what are the, you know, why does this ageism exist? Um, and actually, I think I, I took this from a couple of places, from um, the What Colors Your Parachute and uh, some online resources. And so uh, there are actually like four kind of overarching concerns that employers have with hiring somebody who is, is maybe older. Um, and the first is uh, energy and stamina. So there is this notion that as we age, we slow down. Now, I can tell you, I'm 51. I'm having some issues with my knees, <laughs> right? I think it's probably that I'm carrying around 50 pounds that I don't need to be carrying. So, but I, I am noticing, you know, that I am slowing down um, in in ways. And so, for some people, that might be um, uh, so some employers that might be a concern. However, look at Betty White. I mean, she's 90 plus, you know, and in her 90s was was had a brilliant acting career. So, uh, you know, Winston Churchill was uh, um, older when he was uh, prime minister. Nancy Pelosi is in her 80s, right? So to think that somebody um, who's older doesn't have energy and stamina is probably a little bit of a misconceived notion. Um, but I think employers are thinking, you know, they think about, you know, if, you, if it's a startup company, maybe there's a lot of overtime. Uh, maybe there's travel involved. Maybe there's, uh, you know, uh, more physicality in certain jobs. So, so the energy and stamina is one of those concerns. Uh, what would you say about this, Judson? Well, um, one of the things that I was thinking is, you know, just on, on the visual appearance physically, you know, if, if you come in for an interview, for example, and you're 80 pounds overweight or whatever it be, you know, <laughs> yeah. th that will, that will make an impact on, on, you know, how people perceive you. And as far as having stamina or not, um, I guess I would encourage everybody just in general to, to stay fit and healthy. But as it relates to a job, uh, when you're over 50 and you're trying to compete with younger people, do what you can to stay fit and because that's going to give you the energy and perhaps fight off that misperception that you are um, not going to be able to handle the workload, whether it be physically, mentally, or otherwise. Uh, the second concern is tech savviness. And uh, so in some ways, uh, this kind of is um, a, a kind of twofold. Um, one is, you know, uh, technology changes so rapidly. And typically, um, younger people um, are more uh, tech savvy. You know, they uh, like I, I think about my um, my nieces and nephews. They don't know of a time when there weren't cell phones or computers. They've always existed in their world. Um, my my great nieces and nephews can't imagine what a dial up, you know, what a dial a phone like a rotary phone would look like, or even how to use one. Uh, so if you're an older job seeker, you know, there's this notion that maybe you aren't as tech savvy, and so because it, it's changing so rapidly and, and you may not seem like you're an adopter, an early adopter of that. That can be part of it. And then the second piece is, you know, is your brain nimble enough? Are you, you know, are you, can you pick up technology quickly? Because a lot of companies can't really afford the ramp up time to bring somebody up to speed on, on technology. And so that can be a concern as well. Um, and again, like all of these concerns are really preconceived notions. They're sort of stereotypes um, about how an employer might view somebody who's an older job seeker. They don't always, they don't hold true. I mean, I was, before we got on the call, uh, before we started recording, uh, Judson and I were talking about technology and I, I told, shared with him that my mother who's 76 is all about Facebook. You know, she's on Facebook a lot. 
um, and she's posting photos and sharing things. And so she, she really understands social media. It has a smartphone. So, um, so it's not always the case, but that tends to be the, the idea. So I'll throw right. it to you. To, um, yeah. yeah, no, and another thing that I was thinking here in terms of the practicality, um, tech savviness is very, very important. And, and we know that, that the younger people generally are better at that. So how do you deal with that? Well, how can you learn it is where I'm going with this. Is really, in your case, you had mentioned your nieces and nephews. Well, talk to them and find out what are they using, for example, because it's not brand new, but TikTok is out there. And, you know, you always want to keep current on what's next because there's always going to be something that, you know, the, the younger people, the younger generation are using. And just keep up with that and, and how it's being used and why. And you don't have to be an expert, but I just think if you've got a working knowledge of some of these most recent evolutions of technology, they, it could help you in conversations, in interviews, and maybe even your online presence. If you started using something that made sense professionally, I mean, LinkedIn is kind of the, the big one. Uh, so at the very least, understand how that works and use it and, and post some things here and there. But just keep up with what's happening technologically. Right. And take classes. Um, I have um, a high school teacher who uh, – it was interesting because when, when I was in high school, she was my English teacher, my senior English teacher, and she um, often spoke about the fact that she didn't um, – she didn't do visual entertainment, so she didn't really have a TV. She read and, and did crafting and all kinds of things. And um, and we've remained friends over the years and got an email from her a few years ago where she had bought herself an iPad. And so she was taking classes um, so that she knew how to download apps. And so she went to the Apple Store and was learning how to use the iPad because she knew that it was something she wanted to be able to do. So if you're an older job seeker and you want to learn how to use new technology, there are plenty of ways to learn it. And the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to just get on the computer and mess around and figure things out. Um, go to YouTube and look at videos because there's all kinds of instruction available. And... Um, you can't mess it up. I think a lot of people are afraid, oh, I'm going to break it. You know, I think you have to work pretty hard to mess up a yep. computer program. <laughs> so Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And see what they do, yeah. yeah. Yep. So maybe just a practical piece of advice here. You would mentioned one, where can you go to get some training? Well, the Internet is chock full of it. But beyond that, um, you would mentioned the Apple Store. I know that the Microsoft Store has a, a great deal of training available, your local library, right. when they open again, hopefully, um, <clears throat> you can look and see what they're doing. Maybe they're doing some things online. Uh, and, and another source resource possibly could be a community college where you can just get in there and you don't have to even get graded on it. You can right. audit classes, um, and that means you can learn, but you don't have to take a test. So if you're thinking, yeah, I don't want to go back to school because of the testing component, well, that's, that doesn't have to be a, a hindrance. Right. And I think all of this kind of speaks to adaptability, right? And, um, and that's one of the concerns that employers have is are you able to adapt to a fast-paced, changing workspace? Um, I remember... Um, uh, years ago, uh, when I was sort of um, in, you know, in the midst of my professional career, and uh, someone saying to me, "There's no such thing as job security," right? And that's true. You know, the the, the idea that you're going to work for one company until you retire is just not going to happen anymore because companies are changing, workforces are changing, um, and so oftentimes. The notion is that if you're an older person, you maybe are set in your ways. You're not necessarily um, as uh, flexible or adaptable to new, uh, to new thought, to, to to a changing landscape. And then there's also uh, the the idea of um, 
what if you're reporting to somebody who's younger? You know, if you're a 50-year-old and you're moving into a new company and maybe it's a tech startup, you know, or whatever it is, there's a really good chance that you might be reporting to somebody who's younger than you are. And so how do you navigate that? You know, what, uh, what kinds of hangups might you have? Now, you might not have any, but again, we're talking about the, the perception or the concerns of the employer. We're going to talk a moment about how you, you overcome all of these things. So that is one of the concerns. Are you adaptable? Will you be comfortable reporting to somebody who's younger? Things like that. Yep. And I do remember a, uh, uh, a quote um, <clears throat> that really said, it's not the strongest or the smartest who always succeed. It's those who are most adaptable. And that, that's really interesting uh, because depending on your philosophy of life, that could contradict it, you know, in terms of, you know, the strongest uh, and, and what succeeds and what, what contributes to evolution. And I think it's the adaptability, adapt, adaptability in nature and as part of nature uh, that applies to us as well. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, the final concern is probably pretty obvious, but it's worth mentioning, and that is money. So if you are an older job seeker and you have some years of experience and you're moving into a new workplace, one of the concerns is often, can the workplace in, uh, can they afford you? Are you somebody who is going to want to, you know, to work for the salary that they, they can pay you? Or are you, you know, what, how much are you going to cost? Um, so it's oftentimes uh, more expensive to hire somebody who is a seasoned um, employee. And sometimes they can, I read somewhere that, you know, oftentimes they feel like they could hire two people, uh, two younger people for the salary that an older person might, might demand. So that's a concern. Um, and as well as benefits. Um, you know, of course, if you're an older person, as I'm discovering, <clears throat> There are more health issues, right? So, uh, yeah, so, you know, of course, there are all kinds of fun tests and things you have to have when you're over 50 and, you know, sort of just keeping your body in shape as, as Justin was talking about. So the concern of the expense for benefits and things like that can be can be an issue. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, the thing is with that, too, is when do you talk about that? Because the whole age discrimination thing is one of the biggest challenges from what I've heard is, is really that it's so hard to prove that this is what's really happening. You may guess and you may be right, but you can't prove it. And right. so if you start hearing things about you being overqualified, that's maybe when you might want to broach the idea of the money component. Right. And maybe not before that. What, what's your opinion on when you would talk about that? Well, I think it's, yeah, I, I think... Um, when, yeah, so if you're hearing language like, oh, you're overqualified, um, or you start, yeah, the salary conversation is always uh, a critical piece of this whole process. And I think what's important is for you as the job seeker to, first, and we've talked about negotiation a few podcasts ago, you know, knowing what your bottom line is, knowing what you need to make. And sometimes older job seekers, you know, maybe don't need to make as much anymore because they've, you know, maybe done well financially and they're, they're um, you know, still wanting to be in the workplace, but they don't necessarily need to make the same income that they made when they were younger. So I think, um, I don't think you want to bring it up prematurely, but I think when it starts to feel like it's a concern, then you probably want to set the, the, the hiring manager's mind at ease and say, you know what? I, I'm really interested in contributing and staying active and, you know, I'm not ready to be done working. I really want to be a part of something. And so salary isn't that important to me at this point. And to and so see if you can come to some sort of agreement about what the, um, what salary might um, look like. So Yeah. And, and, and I think full transparency on that. Uh, when it's appropriate is probably your best approach. Just say what you said. You know, this is not why I'm in it. I'm in it for different reasons. Um, 
And if you can just say that honestly and, and genuinely, mm-hmm. you, it, it'll go a long way for you. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, you know, I'm a resume writer, as we've talked about. Um, I've had a, a number of clients who, who come to me and they're, they're like, I'm retired. I, you know, I've, I, I've finished my career. I I'm, was doing the retirement thing and I can't play another round of golf. I want to go back to work. They're like bored. They want to go back. They feel like they're still vibrant and they want to contribute. Maybe they want to work part time. And so they'll come to me and say, how do I, you know, how do I position myself? What, how can I, um, you know, and oftentimes they're saying it's not even the money. I don't care what I make. You know, of course I want to be paid, but it's, I just want to be active and contribute. And, um, so if that's the case you're in. Now, it's different if you need to work, right? Then the salary is important. And I think everyone has their own um, uh, um, things to think about uh, with that, you know. Um, I like to say, <laughs> I would say that I'm, I'm going to have to work until lunch on the day of my funeral. But, um, you know, so some people are maybe <laughs> in that situation. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's a personal thing and, and figure that out. And then have that conversation honestly. Um, and hopefully before you get to the money, you've really demonstrated your value and your interest in doing something. And and then um, it's a, a more, um, it's an easier conversation to have. Okay. Anything else to say about concerns of employers before we move on? No, I think that we've covered it pretty well. Okay. Okay, so next we're going to talk about overcoming the concerns. And um, again, I um, did some research, um, and uh, one is it's a combination of things. A lot of this is coming from What Colors Your Parachute, um, but also the Muse blog. Um, the first um, piece of advice is to go where you're valued. Um, so there, you know, do some research and find companies that will value your years of experience. And maybe, you know, it could be that it's a smaller company. Um, it could be that maybe it's um, might even be a startup. Um, and but maybe it's a, a startup in a particular field that you have some really good experience around, and and you can go and be sort of a subject matter expert in a particular area. So really think about. I think as a as a older job seeker, it's really about being even more strategic. You know, like who is going to that? Who's not going to think of me, of my age as a liability, but who's going to think about it as an advantage? Um, and and so think about that, and think about careers that will leverage uh, career capital. Um, now it's interesting because when I'm working with resume clients, that you know there's certain careers that sort of automatically years of experience are great. For instance, if I'm having surgery, I want the surgeon who's done this procedure hundreds of times, not the newbie, right? So I think in the medical field. In uh, in law, um, in academia, you know, the years of experience can actually be a, a benefit. But you know, that's just a handful of people. But so try to think about you know um, where what what value maturity brings. You know, don't underestimate your maturity. And um, and I keep thinking about a movie um, called The Intern with um, Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. And um, it's a really delightful movie, and it's about this older gentleman played by Robert De Niro who becomes an intern for a uh, tech company, a startup company. And Anne Hathaway is um, the the young woman who's running this company. And, um, and it's interesting because at the beginning of the movie, of course, all of the preconceived notions about this older guy coming to intern at the startup, um, they all kind of hold true, right? But um, it's really a beautiful movie because this older gentleman demonstrates his value based on his maturity and his life experience. And he really becomes um, a great mentor 
for Anne Hathaway and for her team. Um, so if you're an older job seeker and you're looking for a kind of a feel-good uh, movie, uh, you might check it out. What are your thoughts, uh, Judson? Well, I think you're right. Um, there are certain companies that are maybe age-diverse in their approach, and you want to look for those companies. Now, they're not going to say that on their website. This is where networking comes into play. <clears throat> Start to talk to people and look for organizations that that might be open to this type of um, hiring, someone whose age and wisdom is going to really be a benefit. Um, and I like the mentorship component. But I think a lot of it is, you know, in terms of how you talk about yourself and on the resume and the LinkedIn and everything is, as it relates to your experience, how is that going to be helpful in solving the problems they are trying to solve, right? And that's, that, that's a, a complex issue because you really got to delve into the company and find out where are they going and what are some of those challenges that they have and how can you, because of your sometimes extensive experience, how can you be helpful in problem solving? So it, it's not a, a, a direct path. You have to do some sleuthing, there's no doubt. And you know, sometimes you can tell uh, at least get a feel for the company. If you look at their, you know, when you look at their website and if they have pictures there and they're all like 22 years old, well, then maybe not. Maybe not, right? <clears throat> but you, you really have to look and, and start asking around and looking for these opportunities that are, that are out there for people who are older. I didn't say old. I said older. <laughs> Those two letters are important, older. And, <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> right? Um, right? But they do exist. They are out there, and you just got to, you know, this is where our networking comes into play and connecting with people who work at targeted companies to maybe ask them, you know, about that. Right. So, right. yeah. Well, it's I, it's I, knowledge. It is. And I was just going to say that. It's like what you always say about the importance of information. Right, yep. and I think if you're a more mature job seeker, that is certainly um, an important piece uh, for you to consider. Is you know getting that information so that you can position yourself as somebody who's valuable. Um, and I think yep. that, you know any any job any job seeker really needs to position themselves as somebody who wants to contribute. And um, and I think just going back to mindset, I think sometimes job seekers have the mindset, I need a job, any job will do. And employers don't want to hire you if you're in the mindset of any job will do. So whether you're 20 or 50, you know, thinking about approaching the job search from, I am a value to this company and here's why. Um, and and making sure uh, that that comes through, which I think, you know, sort of leads to the next uh, way of overcoming, and that's being relevant. Stay relevant and convey your energy. Um, and you know, having some excitement about life, um, and and remaining active and in the workplace. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, demonst yeah. well, I think that um, demonstrating relevancy and currency through technology is probably one, one approach that's going to go a long way for you. And that's back to what we were talking about, staying current on LinkedIn and posting and using, you know, Twitter maybe and, and some of the other social media platforms that are out there, being aware of them, maybe utilizing them here and there just so you're not – perceived as somebody who's just so out of touch that they don't know what these things are. So I think you can use technology to help make your case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, again, being um, 
getting information like reading uh we've talked before about reading uh industry journals and reading about so staying abreast of what's happening in 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 the industry um so that you're sort of always on the on the cutting edge of of new developments in whatever industry you're in i I think if you're a a more mature and older job seeker you're probably not looking to start a, a some people do, and we were talking about over 45 that change, make a career change, but you're probably going to stay in, you know, on familiar territory. You're going to stay in a career that's still in your wheelhouse. So throughout your career, to always kind of keep current with what's going on um, in, in the industry. So reading those journals, going to industry events, things like that. Um, and like you were saying, you know, um, using technology. I think in the notes you sent me, you even talked about writing a blog, starting a blog, being on Twitter. Um, or even a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because I don't think of myself as being in that older job search category. Maybe it's because I'm so energetic and relevant, but, <laughs> um, right. but I don't see myself in that way. Right. So I think it's all, you know, yeah, it's important about how you see yourself. Um, but yeah, and you know, taking taking um, uh, advantage of technology. You also mentioned in your uh, notes to me about you know having a, a good uh, smiling photo on LinkedIn. You know, not something that's twenty years old, but something where you're looking happy, uh, vibrant. Um, you know, so that you. Um, you don't necessarily look your age. And there's nothing wrong with being, uh, you know, being 50 plus, but um, but you don't have to, you know, if you're an older job seeker, you don't need to dress like a school mom. You don't have to have an outdated hairstyle. You know, look at people. Again, I, I keep thinking of uh, celebrities like Jane Fonda. She's in her 80s and she looks fabulous. Of course, she's had some work done, I'm sure, but uh, you know, <laughs> right. but she does. But she does look fabulous, and she's, you know, she's still active in her career. She's active politically, um. So, it, you know, and they're always saying like '50s the new thirty, and I think, you know, because of we have advances in medical uh, technology, you can have your hip replaced, you can get your knee replaced, you can continue to work out and exercise. And so um, so conveying the energy and staying relevant is really important in everything that you, you know, from your LinkedIn profile to your presence, you know, maybe you're on Twitter um, and you're engaged with people. Um, So it's all about, you know, what you're presenting in terms of your social um, or personal brand, right? Right. Absolutely. And that's conveyed in so many ways. Um, online, your resume. And I wanted to kind of move into the resume um, because you're the expert in that, Jerome. And I wanted to ask a question in terms of how can an individual make their resume age-proof, for a lack of a better term? Yeah. So I think resumes are really um an interesting uh, job search tool. And I think it's important to think of your resume as a marketing tool. And uh, it's about telling your career story in the way you choose to present it. So I, a couple of things come to mind. So first and foremost, I would say that your resume really needs to be about you and not necessarily about your chronology of work experience. I'm not saying you should not have a chronological resume. But it does. But there's got to be more to it than that. So when I'm looking at a resume, and the first thing I see is the most recent job, I don't think that's a well-written resume. So thinking about how LinkedIn is set up, where there's an opening summary, um, you know, there's a section for skills. On a, on your resume, you want to start by opening with, you know, having an opening summary. I always say leverage the top half of the first page. That's your sales proposition. That's your unique value proposition. So on that top half of the first page. You have an opening summary. You have a section that talks about your core competencies, your best skills. And then you have a section. I always like to have a section of career highlights where I'm talking about 
achievements and accomplishments and the results that somebody has has been a part of bringing forward in an organization. That's the top half of the first page. That's even before we get to the first job that we've listed. So in doing that, what you've done is you've really created interest around who you are, not where you've worked, not where you went to school, but who you are and what you can do. It's showing your unique value. Here are the things that contributed in the past. Here's my success story. Here are the best skills I bring to the table. Here's a little bit in the opening summary, a little bit about my attitude. Um, how I engaged with with teams, you know, uh, some soft skills. Then the work history comes later, and that becomes supporting evidence, right? So if it's not the main event, then I'm not really necessarily looking at the dates. Now, I would say don't go back more than 15 years, right? There's no reason to to talk about something that happened in the year 2000 anymore, right? I mean... For me, when I'm looking at the resume and I'm writing for my clients, I have to have a really compelling reason to give, to go back to experience that's that, that's that old, right? So, so cut off, you know, about 15 years. Um, you know, only, so what I'm saying is only 15 years in the resume. Um, you don't necessarily need to list the dates of your education. Certainly don't list high school. Um, you know, when did you get your degree? Now, here's, here's the rub. If I've taken my, my dates off of my education, then I'm already going to show that I'm an older job seeker because people will know that. But hopefully, by the time they've gotten to that section, they're interested in what you can contribute. And that's really what's most important is what you bring to the table. So let me ask you this as it relates to the sure. resume and the date. Uh, that you right. might put on for college. Does the current software pick up dates like that, and could it discount you automatically without even, you know, just by that alone? That you haven't listed it a date. <clears throat> um, applicant tracking systems. I don't know if they're looking for that or not. Um, they're typically working, looking for keywords to match against the job description. So I don't know that they necessarily would, but they might. But here's, again, here's the importance to think about um, in terms of job search in general. If you are only applying for jobs online or replying to ads, it's only 7% effective anyway. So again, if you're, and this is how, it, when I'm coaching my clients, like, you cannot rely on your resume to get you in the door, especially if you're an older job seeker. You need to work your network. You need to have conversations with people. You need to do informational interviewing. That is, for everybody, is critical. But I think as an older job seeker, it's even more critical. Because once they get to see you, they no longer have this idea that you're a 55-year-old person who doesn't have stamina or stamina or energy and is someone who's ready to retire. So um, so don't rely on your resume alone. Um, but I right. don't know how, how sophisticated the applicant tracking systems are with regard to picking that up. It's a good question. I, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I would think it would go more the other way if, they, if you did put a date rather than if you didn't. Um, so if you did put a date, I mean, those numbers could be picked up um, right, by right. APS. Right, and, and got, so it, got it, yeah. Through that, they might just say, nope, next. Right. right. So, so yeah. I, I guess I don't know if we're divided on that, on, on our opinion, um, but I would say don't put. Uh, no, I usually don't put dates. If it's, yeah. Right. I okay. wouldn't put okay. my date of graduation anymore. Mm -mm, not yeah. anymore. No. Now, what's really great, though, is so say you've, uh, taken, so you might not put the dates of your degree, but like say you've done some additional training and it's new, like you've taken right. a course on marketing, digital marketing or something, you might list the dates for those things. Yep. Um, just because I think then it shows that those are your fresh skills, right? Um, and how new they are, uh, new certifications, things like that. I would date those things. But when you've got your baccalaureate degree or your master's degree, Whatever, not not necessarily super important. Um, uh, if you're, um, if it's been twenty plus years, <laughs> like mine, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so the next uh, the next topic is to embrace your um, diversity, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit. You know, selling your maturity, selling diversity of thought. Um, maybe it's, I think what's interesting though, and we haven't touched on it, is being able to speak to a uh, to an older demographic. You know, so if you're like in a marketing or a product development role or user experience, you know, to be able to say. I understand this demographic because that's who I am, uh, you know, because in our changing world, it's not just young people who are using technology anymore. And so uh, companies maybe um, don't, you know, I think a lot of young companies or companies that are run by really young people, they, they maybe don't understand that they need to also be speaking to an older demographic. And so you can be that voice uh, for the older demographic. Um, so just sort of embracing the fact that you're you're older, I think, is is uh, important. Any thoughts there? I think that you covered that pretty well. I think that yeah. uh, you know if you're able to emphasize some of the sc- soft skills that comes with age, oftentimes, yeah, yeah. that that I I would definitely emphasize that. Right. Well, and uh, yeah, and to that point, you know, it's like marketing your. Um, thinking about career marketability. So things like uh, complex problem-solving skills. You have critical thinking skills. You've managed teams. You've maybe had a lot of experience managing teams. Um, You know, emotional intelligence, good communication, uh, sound decision-making and judgment, having a service orientation. You mentioned earlier that whole notion of giving back. You know, there are lots of things that we sort of – end up just at, because we're more mature, we've, we've had more life experience. And so we're a little bit more poised and positioned around some of these things. Um, I have to say, you know, I keep joking about being more than, you know, being older, you know, that I'm over 50. There was something kind of magical for me about turning 50. And it was um, that level of maturity. And, you know, and one of my favorite um, paper mentors, so um, people, I, I read a lot. So I call certain writers paper mentors because they've become mentors for me because of what they've written, but I've never really met them in person or had a conversation with them at any length. So Marian Williamson, who is one of the people that I follow very closely, she wrote a book um, about being over 50. I can't remember the name of it, but what are the things? Over, that over the hill and picking up speed. Just kidding. That's what it was. No, no. But <laughs> no, one, no, no. Of the things, one of the things she said, which was really kind of brilliant to me, uh, she said, so when you're over 50, you might not be able to lift your leg as high, right? You can't do the, the things you did physically, she said, but raising an eyebrow has a little bit more power when you're over 50. You know, there's something about being over 15, being really comfortable in your own skin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know that yeah. I'd go back to be 20. If I could go back to 20 knowing what I know now, yeah. Right. It doesn't about, work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And there is something about stepping into this. I think when you're in your 50s, you no longer care what people think so much. You know, it's not really about... Mm-hmm. I think I think there was something about as I approached 50, like, I know what it means now to step in my own power. I know who I am. I know what I have to offer. And I can own that really big. You know, I've done all the relationship stuff. I've done all the, you know, all of that stuff, right? Now, that like, it's the process of becoming. And I don't think we ever arrive there. But when we're in our 50s, you know, that raised eyebrow does hold some power. You've right. been around the block. Um, and so thinking about your emotional intelligence and you can make decisions, you know, you've learned from failure at the age of 50, right? You know what works, you know what doesn't work. You're not afraid to take risks. You know, there's a lot that can be said. And so being able to market those things, I think is really kind of kind of important. Um, well, it is. It yeah. is very important. And, and I guess, you know, the thing that I would caution people about is the attitude part. And we talked about this at the beginning, but if you come across as like, yep, I've been there, done that, I know what's best. Mm-hmm. And if that comes across, 
through actions, behaviors, words, um, you know, that's not going to help you, especially in, during yeah. interviews. But once you're on the job, you know, it, in terms of reporting to someone who's younger than you, you know, you, you just got to be very careful of not coming across as being arrogant and all-knowing. Right, exactly. So um, in the interest of time, Judson, I think I'd, do you mind if we just sort of go through the last parts of the outline rather quickly and then jump in as you feel you want to talk yep. about things? No, I think that's a great plan. Okay. So, um, again, just very quickly, you can overcome um, some of these uh, concerns by focusing on your accomplishments, having a results-driven narrative, and really focusing on what you're capable of doing today. And we talked about that uh, when we were talking about the resume, right? That top half of the first page, creating mm -hmm. that value proposition. Um, activate your network. Um, so one of the articles I read said that 80 to 85% of jobs are acquired via networking. And we've talked about this in podcast after podcast, right? Mm -hmm. um, it always so comes up. Yeah, reconnecting with former co uh, colleagues. Um, and then write, you know, creating a list of, of uh, bullet points, um, talking points to facilitate or, uh, introductions. So if you're asking, reaching out to your former colleagues or your network for an introduction, giving them some talking points so that they can introduce you. Um, doing informational interviews, again, getting in front of people. Joining professional associations specific to your industry. If you're an older person and you're involved in a, um, a professional organization, and you're looking for opportunity, get involved in the organization. Volunteer to be on committees. Volunteer to, to serve at events. Um, join the Rotary Club. Uh, join a Toastmasters group. Um, all of these things, staying active in your community, um, uh, virtual networking during this time of COVID, of course. And then looking for job boards for older job seekers, and I found a number of them. AARP, of course, is the, probably the organization that's most well-known for people who are over 50. When you're 50 years old, you actually get a nice little welcome letter from them in the mail. And, uh, <laughs> and off you go. I didn't get one, though, because I was already on their list because I'm married to mm -hmm. somebody who's over 50, and I was the spouse. But anyway, so AARP, there's one called Workforce50.com, Your Encore. It's kind of cool with that whole symphony analogy. Retire workforce, retireeworkforce.com, USA Jobs, and Seniors for Hire. I'll put those in the uh, podcast notes so you can look those up. And then the, our last point is to talk about interviews. Did you have anything to say about any of that other stuff, uh, Justin? No, I think the resources are worth looking at for sure, starting with the yeah. AARP. And, you know, there's a lot of information out there. And, and you know, just build off of what we're talking about here. Take those uh, leads, if you will, and, and really start looking for the opportunities that exist that's conducive to people who um, are not 20 right. or 30. Right. That's, a, that's <laughs> my nice way of saying that we're not, well, we're not old. <laughs> 50 and fabulous. Amen. There you okay. go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, and then talking a little bit about interviews. So we did a whole podcast. I think we did a couple of podcasts on interviewing. Um, and uh, so go back and listen to those podcasts. If you haven't interviewed in a while, take some time to reacclimate yourself with that process. Interviews maybe have changed a little bit. You're probably not likely to have been on interviews where they're asking a lot of behavioral questions in the past. So if you're not familiar with those, look those up. Figure out how uh, to answer behavioral questions. Look at the STAR format, situation, tasks, actions, results, or the PAR, problems, actions, results, as a way to speak about your accomplishments and achievements. So do some homework about, around interviewing. Practice interviewing. Um, be prepared for phone screens. Be prepared for uh, virtual interviews via Zoom. Practice if you need to have conversations over FaceTime, whatever, uh, just to get used to that technology. But be prepared for, um, you know, just really allow yourself the time to be, perf to be really familiar with the interviewing process. Okay. You know, and one thing I'll, I'll mention on that too, <clears throat> uh, and, and we may see this a little differently here, but, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of those interviews, if you haven't interviewed in quite a while, 
you could be a little rusty, right? So right. as you're looking at job opportunities, go ahead and apply for jobs. Make sure they're, you know, a, at least a fit for you. Don't waste anybody's time, and that's a real important component to this. But if you can have some interviews where the stakes are a little lower, maybe it's not your first choice, you can get some practice in it, and you never know what could come of those interviews. They might say, you know, you're not a good fit for this, but we we directionally we're going here, and your background could maybe help us get there. You just don't know. But I just think that preparing for those interviews when the stakes are lower it's yeah. going to make it a little bit easier for you. And, and, and don't misunderstand. I'm not saying waste anyone's time, yours or theirs, by something that's not even close to a fit. But find something, you know, as you prioritize these things. If you're able, get some interviews under your belt. So when it comes time to, you know, shining in, in the interview, that you're ready and prepared. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant, actually. Um, yeah. Because it is, you know, it's one of those things we get better at as we practice. And then here's some do's and don'ts. And we've talked about these um, before, but some of them um, I think are interesting uh, to think about. Do leverage your experience and the value it brings. Don't go into as an older job seeker or even as a young job seeker. Make sure you can speak about your value. Make sure you understand that because I think even intrinsically having a sense of our value is important. It just changes how you show up in the world, right? But be able to speak to that. Um, and um, more let, Can Go I ahead. make one comment on that? <clears throat> you sure. know, in terms of showing value, this is where your research really comes into play because you really have to understand, and I said this earlier, you know, what are the problems or the challenges that they're facing? And And because when people are hired, you know, they're, they're really trying to solve problems of some sort, how to make right. more money, how to save money, whatever it be. But understanding what those challenges are will allow you to demonstrate the value. And, and this is just customizing your resume and, and, and conversations with, with, you know, in the interview, things like that. You've got to know what the problems are before you can bring value to that process. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, make sure you understand industry language. So industry speak. What are the with the currents? Uh, how are things being talked about um, in in your industry? Um, that's important. Um, and in some industries, the language evolves and it changes. So kind of be you know that's where uh, professional journals and and research will help you. And then in the interview, don't refer to your grandkids. Yeah, don't talk about your growing children. Um, it's not important um, anyway. But and don't say things like "back in the day" um, or say, <laughs> "Oh, I'm old school." You know, uh, right? So yeah. those things kind of go without saying, hopefully. But you know, sometimes we just uh, don't even know. Uh, sometimes you know how things are taken or or. Uh, language patterns that we might have. So, um, so just be yeah. aware of that. Um, wow. <laughs> there was a lot to cover. <laughs> there was, and we didn't get to everything, every point that we had outlined here even. But I think you're getting the, the, the point of, of the challenges that you might face as a, an older job seeker and how you can combat them. There are companies right. out there that are hiring and, and, you know, you just got to do some research. So much of it, as always, comes back to networking. If you can network your way into a company through, a, you know, a friend, a respected colleague, that could get your foot in the door. And then during the interview process, that's where you blow the door off the hinges. And, and I think, that, you know, you, you, at the beginning of this call, you said everything comes back to mindset. And I think it's really true. You know, as a coach, um, a life coach, career coach, or even any sort of coach, it's impossible for us to do anything that's incongruent with how we see ourselves, that's incongruent with our belief about ourselves. If you're running mm -hmm. a marathon and you don't see yourself crossing the finish line, if you don't believe you can cross the finish line, you never will. So if you're a more mature job seeker, stop worrying about it. Yes, ageism exists. We know that. But stop telling yourself it's a problem because 
there is that's become self-fulfilling prophecy. The way you show up, if you go on to an interview, and my mindset is they're not going to hire me because I'm old, right? And I'm going to use mm-hmm. the word old because that's how you might feel. I'm too old. If that's how you show up, if that's what you're thinking, you will show up differently than if you think I'm 50 and fabulous, right? Yep. Um, as, yep. As a person thinks, so he or she is. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to, you don't even have to say anything. It's just the energy. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Marianne Williamson, who I mentioned before, you know, on a spiritual side says all minds are connected. So we all know everything on every, on some level. And so if you're sitting in the chair and you're thinking I'm too old, you don't have to say it. The person across the table from you will feel it. So change your mindset. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, that's the place to start, you know, being 50 yeah. fabulous. Sally no Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and I think that, you know, the research that is necessary to determine your fit is going to help you with that mindset because you're thinking, okay, I understand the situation here. I know that I'm a good fit for this. And just right. that knowledge is going to change a lot of things. If you go in there, it's like, yes, I am the, a really good fit for this job. I know I can bring value and I would fit in culturally. In any other way you want to look at it, it's going to be so valuable for how you come across. And, and right. so yeah. preparation is, is key. Yeah, know, absolutely. I forget how it's said, but you know, the, the crossroad between preparation and opportunity, that's, that's what we're looking to converge. Right. So, all right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. It's been uh, – uh, there's a lot of content that we went over here, and I hope that you found uh, some some ways to apply some of the things that we're talking about, whether it be resources or just mental adjustments. Our next week, um, we are going to be talking about workforce of the future. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm I'm in a job now, and I wonder what I can do to maybe better prepare – for the future, we're going to give you some thoughts and ideas around what that might be, whether it be uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about specific industries that are growing and, and skills and that, that you're going to maybe want to acquire to prepare for the future and make yourself uh, valuable, getting ahead of the curve on that. Jerome? Yeah. Um, thanks for, uh, for that, uh, Judson. Um, it's, yep. It'll be an interesting topic for sure. Um, so if you want to reach out to us um, with ideas for future episodes of the podcast, feedback on what we're offering, questions, uh, you can reach the two of us at uplevelcareers at gmail.com. So it's uplevelcareers at gmail.com. If you want to reach me specifically, my website is theresumeshopinc.com, and uh, email address is resumeshopinc.com ink at gmail.com and ink is I-N-K in this case. Uh, our podcast is available on iTunes, Google, um, iHeartRadio, Radio, oh no, Intune.com um, or Intune Radio. Uh, lots of platforms. Share uh, the podcast with people you know. Uh, let them know uh, what we're doing. Uh, you can find the podcast as well on Facebook. So we would love to hear from you. Very good. How about about your info? Yep. Thank you. So my career website is careerpathstrategies.com and I can be reached via email by Judson, which is J-U-D-S-O-N at careerpathstrategies.com. We welcome your feedback and we really do look forward to hearing from you in terms of topics that may be of interest to you challenges you might be facing that we can address in future podcasts. And and please do tell your friends, you can find us by topic. So if there's a particular topic that you're dealing with, look at all that we have done so far, find that topic and check it out. We thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this is actually episode number 10. So uh, we've done season one, episode 10. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll look forward to speaking with you all very soon. Have a great day. Goodbye, everybody.